From xylophones, chimes, drums, to floor pianos, Percussion Play's instruments help to create an inclusive environment for everyone to play, learn, and importantly, have fun. Camps are creating musical gardens, providing a space to support children's self-confidence, social development, and growth. Percussion Play is committed to making musical expression accessible to everyone, everywhere. To see how outdoor musical instruments can transform your camp, go to percussionplay.com. Welcome to the Camp Wire podcast. My name is Lauren McMillan. I'm the Public Relations and Communications Manager here at ACA. And today we are joined by Brandon Ryder of Skyview CFO. Brandon Ryder grew up at camp. His parents have owned and operated Camp Tawanda since 1991 before he was born. He's been a counselor, maintenance worker, group leader, special events coordinator, and his latest role, finance manager. Brandon received his bachelor's from Syracuse University in finance and entrepreneurship and is currently acquiring his master's degree in accounting from the University of North Carolina. Before he was the finance manager at Tawanda, he worked in the banking world at Alliance Bernstein and J.P. Morgan Chase. During the pandemic, while Tawanda was closed, Brandon worked with many industry leaders to discuss the financial impacts of closing down for a year. This past May, he launched his own consulting firm, Skyview CFO. He works with over a dozen small businesses, assisting them with a variety of financial services from bookkeeping to forecasting and budgeting, and obviously has a specialization in summer camps. His business blog, The Skyview Scope, posts many articles about financial tips and news, and he recently released his first business help book, Sky's the Limit, Navigating a Business Launch, available now on Amazon. He is also a supporter of Scope, which funds camp scholarships or camperships to send children who commit to staying in school to nonprofit ACA accredited resident camps, which will empower them to develop to their full potential. Brandon, welcome to Campwire. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the uh, wonderful introduction. I Absolutely. It. Yeah. Glad to have you here. So talk to us a bit. We know you have an extensive uh, camp, summer camp history. So tell us about your camp experience. Yeah. So I grew up at camp, literally. I was um, born into the world of camping. My parents had owned and operated Tawanda five, four or five years before I was born. So being at camp was all I knew. Um, I had every position imaginable at camp, starting from a pre-camper to camper to counselor to group leader. I was the special events coordinator. I worked in our laundry facility. Uh, and my last role there was the finance director after I went into the real world for a bit and uh, worked in the wealth management industry at some banks. And I loved every facet of the camp business itself. Yeah, that's my experience. That's incredible that you've had truly the full perspective of what it means to live in and work at a summer camp. I mean, most people, when they work at a camp, might just be like a counselor or like I worked on in the kitchen staff, but you really had every position that you could think of. So that's great that you have that that full yeah. perspective. Yeah. So. And then talk to us a little bit about, I know we talked about it in the bio, but Skyview CFO, what was that journey like? What encouraged you to kind of take your, your education in finance and to bring it full circle and work with camps? 
Right. So growing up at camp, I loved uh, the business intricacies. Camp is a very complicated business, as you know, and I really loved the challenges that I saw my parents deal with. Uh, I didn't like that they were dealing with challenges, but I liked that there was constant problem solving, people managing. I loved business. And so I went to study business and I didn't know exactly how I would fit into the camp world. I didn't really always see myself as like a camp director type of person, um, but I love the business fundamentals of it. So while I was the finance manager at Tawanda, uh, the pandemic hit during my first year really as, as the manager. And it completely changed what my role was. I went from merely overseeing the financial operations of a hundred year old business to now figuring out how we get through a very hard time with no income. And so during that time, I, like you said, in, in my bio, I was talking to many people across the industry. I was focused on all the uh, government grant programs and figuring out how a small business even though camps are complicated operations, they're still small businesses. How do we get a small business that shut down to survive a unprecedented pandemic? And the challenge of that, talking with people, I figured that there must be a whole slew of small business owners that don't know where to go, what to turn to. So that kind of sparked me to come up with Skyview CFO, where I can essentially guide entrepreneurs where finance might not be their expertise and cash flow might not be in their vocabulary, but I can help them navigate the waters, whether they're launching a business or just uh, need help during a certain transitionary time or just want to optimize their growth. I think that's incredible. And let's talk about, so you were working in camp when COVID hit and when everything shut down. Talk about that experience and essentially how, in your perspective, has the financial state of the camp industry changed between then and what does it look like now? So when the pandemic hit uh, in March, obviously every camp director that I spoke to, at least, the goal was to get camp open. And we didn't know what the pandemic was in March of 2020, I'm talking about. And we didn't know, you know, at first everyone thought it would be a two week thing and then it was a month. And then all of a sudden now we're getting midway through April, things only seem to be getting worse. So as the finance manager, I had to see how certain decisions would impact our future cash flow. So there were really three different choices we had in front of us or four. We could open camp for the full summer. We could open camp for a portion of the summer. We could not open at all, or we could run a family camp. And so I had to um, run the numbers for each different scenario, see if what was worth it, what wasn't. And we ultimately decided that not opening at all was in the best interest for us. And there was a lot of delineation that went into it and how to keep 
our families entertained and interested and keep the camp spirit alive while there was no camp for the first time since World War II. But luckily, it seems that the camp industry has survived the, the, the true brunt of the pandemic, although, you know, we never know with these new strains that keep coming about. Mm-hmm. Um, we now know that we can't take anything for granted. But I think the camp industry is now in a, in a strong place, stronger than it was a year ago today, um, because parents want to send their kids to camp and kids want to go to camp. And that hasn't changed. And the parents that I've spoken to are, are just thankful that camp is still able to provide them with an opportunity to get out of you know, whatever school or COVID confined space they're in and just be able to really be a kid again and, and explore. And I I was happy to see that. um, I read an article that um, in New Hampshire, they um, introduced a bill that really focuses on the mental health benefits that camps provide. And the White House backed it up, and I believe the ACA um, recognized it. Mm-hmm. And there's this new initiative that stresses the the mental health benefits of attending camp, no matter what type of kid, what type of demographic you're in. That you know, camp does really provide kids with tremendous upside. So I think that the industry has survived the main challenge of the pandemic, and will continue to grow, but that's not to say that owners and directors of camps have to keep their eye on the on the ball, keep their head on a swivel, be able to pivot and forecast, which they seem to have been able to during the pandemic and keep their businesses going. I think you're exactly right. I mean, what you're talking about with New Hampshire, we've certainly seen the push for mental health resources, not only for campers, but also for for staff and providing the training necessary for for staff to take care of their own mental health, but also to be readily available and knowledgeable when dealing with the mental struggles that campers may be dealing with. And going back to, I mean, campus, I think we see it as necessary now more than ever. And after a year plus and kind of the the going back and forth with virtual school and schools closing and kids having to go back to remote learning. Uh, you're exactly right. I mean, campers, kids need camp now more than ever. And just to have the ability to, to be outside and to yeah. be immersed in nature and in, for many, for many camps away from technology and just to have that human to human connection that, I mean, it's amazing that we're able to connect over technology, but that in-person connection is so valuable, especially for children and youth who are in those developmental stages. So, and yeah, especially, you know, screens are a majority of my day. And when I was a kid, I went to school, I was on a screen and now with the whole uh, learning from home, I know they're mostly over that, but it was a screen all day for them. And to be able to mm-hmm. actually get away from the screen for a summer is something that I don't think you can put a price on it. Right. It's invaluable. And it's, I think it's especially interesting too, with camps now, I don't think prior to the pandemic, and maybe you can speak to this, how I don't think that we ever thought that camps would close for an entire summer. And you mentioned that hasn't happened since like World War II, which just boggles my mind, but it's, 
I think it's a new reality and hopefully that is something that we don't have to go back to. Like hopefully it doesn't turn to that extreme of closing down camp for the summer, but I think it is important for camps to kind of keep that in the back of their mind as they're considering what the upcoming summer looks like. What do they have to do if something like that happens where they, they do have to pivot and they do have to shift. And so what does that look like for camps as they're starting to think about their financial strategies for the summer? Because I mean, for these camps, they operate year long. And even though the summer sessions may be the only times when campers are there and staff, that's a huge part of their annual revenue and how they function and keep their doors open. Yeah, so uh, I think the biggest thing is is for owners to really be on top of how they keep track of their finances and keep track of their budgets. Because, you know, before the pandemic, once you had an established camp, cash flow for a successful camp isn't really something to overly be concerned about. But with when there's uncertainty in the waters, which now there will be for at least a a number of years, you want to know how certain effects on your business will affect the other financial outcomes. And so by keeping track of your budget in a way that's tailored specifically to your camp will help you evaluate certain unforeseen circumstances. So like if you feel that you're not going to be able to get any uh, facility rental business, you want to know how that actually affects your bottom line. Because if everything's just lumped together, then you don't really know the effects of one aspect of the business and how that dominoly affects everything else. And I, I stress the importance of making sure that when directors of camps are analyzing their budget, that the budget categories that they make are, are tailored specifically in a way that they can understand. And for camps who may be extremely conservative when it comes to their finances, especially now, kind of in a post-pandemic world, if they do not have the resources to have a specific finance manager, what resources would you recommend to them? How can they make sure that they're keeping track of their finances, making the necessary budgets and arrangements um, and safety nets to make sure that their camp is well secured moving forward? What would you recommend to them? Well, other than hiring me, um, (laughs) I think that it's important that they have an eye on whoever's in charge of their, um, whether it's bookkeeping or financial operations as a whole, and to to truly know what the day-to-day financial operations of their business look like. A lot of owners may hire a bookkeeper and just tell them to keep the books. And that's because, you know, camp directors are camp directors. They're not finance managers. And But to own a business, you have to know every aspect of it, or at least have a general understanding of it. And in order to do that, you need to know what your bookkeeper is doing and how they're doing it. And you want to meet with them regularly and to go over on at least a monthly basis, how have we been spending in the off season? What do you think our cash is going to look like in May right before we start? Do we have enough funds to begin a new capital expense? And that comes from 
understanding how your finance office is working. And it might just be one person. It might be you. But as the boss, you need to have a full understanding of how that's operating. And you don't want to just hire a bookkeeper and trust them with your whole operation, especially during times like this. Certainly being more proactive and in the know rather than reactive. I think that is key. What would you say is the most common issue or red flag that you that you see with camps that you work with? I, I again I think it's just I, I think the major issue that I see is that before the pandemic, uh camps kind of took cash flow for granted. And um in my book I talk a lot about the importance of cash flow and and how having an understanding of it is is key to successfully navigating your business through adversity. And to to really understand your cash flow, it comes back to creating a system of budgeting that is tailored to the complex operation that is your camp because camps are are, are very complicated business. They're they're a hospital, they're they're a restaurant, they're a daycare, they're an amusement park. There are so many different types of businesses rolled up into one, and there are so many different types of expenses that they incur. So to be as specific as possible when these expenses come in is very instrumental in understanding how to move forward, how to forecast for the future, how to brace for times of uncertainty and to understand at what point in the year or the next few years, can you reinvest back into the camp? Can you make that big capital expenditure? And when I see directors just not really paying attention to how their accounts are organized, that's when I think they will face the most challenges. And that just comes from organizing your financial department hiring someone who gets what you want to visualize because at the end of the day it's, it's your company it's your camp you need to be able to visualize it and whoever's in charge of your finances needs to be able to give you the information in a way that is comprehensible to you definitely yeah and we'll be sure to link to your book in the show notes so that uh, camp directors and camp staff who are interested can have that resource on hand because I think that could be super valuable moving forward. So you talked about working with camps and camp directors. Who else do you work with? Who else is your client? So um, I work with a number of small businesses, um, some involved in the camp industry, some not. Um, I work with uh, a hotel. So uh, Hospitality is very similar to camp in that in that way, in that sense. Um, very similar um, type of operations, type of mentality that hotels and camps both um, possess. Um, and I use a lot of the uh, vendors that I did at camp for my own business. So I my website was built by the same uh, company that built the camp website. I order my business cards from the same company that uh, prints our t-shirts at camp. And um, I, I'm still involved in scope and I, I'm very in touch with many different um, 
tangential parts of the industry other than just the uh, camps themselves. So um, while I'm beyond just the camp industry, I do work a lot with many different aspects of the camping industry. And that's why I care so much about it and want to see it succeed as a whole. Are you very closely connected with camp parents? Yeah, I was just talking to a, a parent of a soon-to-be first-year camper um, at a at a different camp, and I was asking him, you know, what led to his uh, decision to send his kid to this camp, and he was um, he his his answer had a lot to do with how that camp. Um, planned embrace for COVID, which I found really interesting. He really liked how they paid attention to their staff. They really invested a lot of money into the facility. It sounded expensive, but it obviously was uh, beneficial for that camp. And um, I think parents, while they want their kids to get out, they want to make sure that they're sending their kids to a camp that is going to really not only care for the kids, but care for the staff and, mm-hmm. and put their money where their mouth is. And that that's hard to do in this day and age, but from the parents I've been speaking to, it's, it's really important to them when they're deciding now in this day, where to send their kids. Yeah. That's a really interesting perspective and incredibly important because the staff are essentially the parents for the children for that summer session. And you think about campers, as they grow up at summer camps, they look up to these counselors and these staff members. And in many cases, uh, at least the camp that I attended, campers often then became staff later on. So I think that's such an incredible investment to put in early on and for parents to be aware of when thinking about where to send their kids to camp. So thinking about the price of camp, I think a lot of parents, um, when they consider summer camp, obviously tuition is a big part of that. And that's something that camps themselves have to consider as well, because you think about not only the cost that it pays to keep their facilities going, but also, like you said, to take care of their staff. And for many camps, that's kind of their their main source of revenue, or at least it seems to be, maybe you can speak to that, but what are ways that camps can help improve their cash flow situation so that it is not something that purely relies on the summer, but is something that can generate revenue for camps all year long, especially in scenarios where like maybe the summer doesn't happen like it did in 2020. What would you say to that? So obviously camp is a seasonal business and whether you're uh, renting your out your facilities on what we call in the industry the shoulder season, like before and after the summer, um, it, it's still not the full year unless you're winterized and running a full wedding business. That, that that's also a possibility. But most camps are seasonal, so that means that typically they're only earning money for a few months out of the whole year. But I always laughed when people. When I, when I was growing up and people asked me what my parents did for a living and I said that they ran a camp, they asked me, what do they do in the winter? Camp's a full-time operation, obviously. Every camp director knows that. So in order to generate cash flow throughout the year, they can come up with different incentives and payment plans for parents to pay throughout the year so that cash isn't just coming in May or coming in June. 
They can have early payment options where if they pay a certain amount in October or November, that they get maybe a discounted rate or a different sort of incentive. That way, there's certain levels of cash coming in throughout the year. And you can also do other things, like I said, like renting out your facilities. Um, one thing that we discovered is that if you're on a land that has a lot of um, a lot of uh, old trees, you can actually sell your trees for lumber. And that's um, actually good for the environment because some some of these trees need to be taken down in order for newer trees to be able to grow. And that helps with the lumber industry because there's supply chain shortages everywhere now. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for simple ways to make money, take a look at your property and and think of well, there's so many ways to to improve your cash flow. But from a tuition standpoint, offering incentives that can entice your customers to to pay at different points in the year is helps you with your borrowing needs and keeps cash your cash flow in the bank and and prevents you from mismanaging or misjudging how many how many uh campers will actually sign up because when you put a deposit down in august i mean in uh in october let's say that that family is less likely to pull out than someone who doesn't have to pay until may right? Mm -hmm. They already put, they are, it's already, it's a, men, it's a mental thing, right? They already put the money, they're already paying for it, as opposed to someone who signs up, but they don't have to commit until May. Maybe they uh, change their mind. And I'm not advocating for non-refundable deposits. I think that, you know, but you know, again, that's a decision that the camp director has to make, but just the mental aspect of putting money down kind of signs them up in their head and it helps the camp's cash flow in the process as well. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, there, there's so many different branches of that. For one, I think for families who may be a little hesitant to send their, their kids to camp because of the price tag, spreading it out over the course of the year and offering like early bird discounts for registration, that can certainly help. But something that we have seen with a lot of camps, especially post pandemic is Many of these camps that reopened filled up instantly, and a lot of them have wait lists. So I think parents kind of being on top of that and and getting their kids signed up earlier in the year can guarantee that spot and and they get a discounted rate, which is great. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about government grant programs. How can those be of assistance to both summer camps and camp families? So um, there's been a number of government grant programs that have been uh, of great aid to small businesses. And if, if you haven't taken advantage of these programs, I suggest that you look into them, um, specifically the PPP loans, um, EIDL loans, ERC loans, which is employee retention credit, um, just because they, you haven't gotten that yet or you haven't applied doesn't mean that you can't retroactively uh, apply, um, especially for the employer retention credit, which is uh, a grant based on the amount of employee, the amount of employees that you 
rehired in 2021 versus 2020. So there, and the AIDL is the emergency disaster relief loan, uh, which is for uh, qualified business that were affected by the pandemic. These are all great ways for camps to take advantage of the government actually stepping in and, and helping out to, to gain some more cash flow. And if you, you need help uh, looking into that, again, I'm available. So um, there are plenty of resources and talk to your local banks too, if you're, if you're in need for cash. Um, you know, there's the interest rates are very low right now. So uh, if you need to borrow money, now's a good time to borrow money. Okay, so when families are looking at camps, maybe they're visiting a camp for the first time and wanting to tour the camp, what are ways that camp staff and camp directors can make their tours more effective and what can they gain from that? What can they learn from that? How does that impact their financial status? So a key aspect to any business in order to improve the future is to look at the past. And in order to do that, when it comes to tours, you want to be really keeping track of the effectiveness of your tours. And by that, I mean, how many tours are you getting? How are, how are you getting these tours in the first place? Are they through camp agents? Are they through word of mouth? Where are these leads coming from? And are they signing up? Who's giving the tour? What is that tour guide's conversion rate? What is your overall conversion rate? What reasons are they picking your camp over the other camps? And if the more information you could get on why they didn't pick you, it's better. I'm not saying, you know, pick up the phone and angrily call the, the, the parents that didn't pick you. But um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of companies will send surveys on, hey, how'd we do? And you have their contact information you can send a little survey if you want to say, what did you think about our tour? Which camp did you choose? Why not? The more information you have about your tours and their effectiveness, why people chose you, why they chose to even tour you in the first place and what worked and what didn't will help you optimize your tours so that you can improve the conversion rate. Because if you don't look at what percent of the tours you're converting, if you don't look at who's giving them, if you don't look at why they're picking you, why they're not picking you, you don't know how to improve the tour. Mm -hmm. And the tour is how you sell your camp. Obviously, word of mouth and credibility plays into that. But ultimately, parents make the decision once they actually see the camp. And by looking at your past, you can optimize your future. And I'm sure that would be incredibly valuable for attracting and retaining staff as well. Um, yeah, the, the same notion applies. Um, you know, you want to survey your staff at the end of the year. What worked? What didn't? You know, what was your what were what was your biggest uh, obstacle? What was what do you have to say about the management? What could the management have done better? The more information that you collect, again, the more you have to to build on and to, and to think about if you're just forming your opinion off of, off of nothing, off of, uh, off of thin air, then you're just guessing and, and guessing doesn't really get you anywhere. What, what gets you any, what gets you to success is learning from the past, learning from mistakes you may have made and 
learning how to optimize them and, and, and change them and tweak your business. Your business is never finished. It, it, it keeps going. And like a can't camps change all the time. And you want to keep up with the trends. Uh, the world changes so much as we have, we have, as we've seen. So by keep, by collecting as much information as you can, whether it's about your tours or your staff and staff hiring and how much you pay certain staff members and how much you increase them from year to year. And think about all the different types of metrics that you can collect information about will help you plan for the future and optimize the future. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And in this world of heavy technology use and uh, especially after people are getting used to spending more time online and connecting online. What are ways that camps can increase their online presence during the off season and maybe optimize their websites? Maybe that's through virtual tours. Maybe that's through connecting with prospective camp families or current campers and staff. What are ways that they can optimize their time on the internet and through virtual platforms to support this and to, to continue to kind of increase their, their views, increase their revenue, increase their overall conversion rates? What are, what are strategies that they can use to, to use technology to their advantage? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's a healthy balance. I think uh, kids might be a little zoomed out these days, but mm-hmm. the more you, you stay in any business, the more you stay on your customers' minds, the, the better your relationship with them will be. So whether it's, you know, every so often having, um, you know, maybe it's a, a, a Zoom hangout, a virtual hangout or something like that, something to uh, connect, um, you know, um, a lot of camps have reunions, but that's tough to have now in these COVID, uh, COVID um, days. So by using uh, social media or, or um video technology to to connect uh, you want to stay on the mind of of campers and the parents and reaching out in as many creative ways as possible to stay on the mind because that's how you maintain your relations with your with your customers Mm -hmm. definitely and let's talk about you mentioned this topic earlier, reinvesting into camps. And I think this is something that parents can certainly resonate with and understand when they're looking at tuition prices, when camp directors are thinking about what their tuition prices are, whether or not they're going to increase from summer to summer, how can they reframe that? Or rather, how can they present the perspective of this is an investment that that camp parents are putting in for the entire year, not just for the single summer session that maybe their child attends. Can you speak to that? Yeah. So there are many different types of camps out there, right? There are nonprofit camps. There are four-week camps, two-week camps, traditional seven-week co-ed sleepover camps, day camps, camps of all shapes and sizes. And a marketing tool is your price. And your price says a lot about what you think your camp is. The more expensive your camp, the more your parents and kids might expect of that camp. The less, you know, the less they're expecting. So if you're in the camp, no pun intended, of 
of charging a lot of charging a high tuition, you have to show your, your clients that you're delivering them very valuable product. And whether it's, you know, a five figure tuition that parents are coughing up, they'll be comfortable with that if they see that that money isn't just going directly into the owner's pockets, but rather being reinvested into the camp and, and into the facilities and into the staff and making sure that the staff, again, who are the, the surrogate parents during the summer are happy and motivated and, and are paid attention to. And that comes with, with money. And if you're charging a lot, you have to be putting that into your business and justifying your price. If you're not, if you're not charging that much, you still want to think about how you can optimally reinvest and make your staff as happy as possible and, and make your facilities as, as good as they can be. But to justify your price, you want to make sure that you're paying attention to the facilities, to your personnel, to every blade of grass before your own pockets. Otherwise, you won't be able to justify the tuition price that you're that you're that you're charging, and and you won't have many campers to to charge that. Mm-hmm. And I I think that speaks directly back to the idea of staying connected with campers and camp families throughout the year, and it's certainly incredibly valuable when camp parents see how much their child is is impacted by camp, but to kind of give them a tangible look at here are other ways that your dollars are helping this camp uh, throughout the year. I think that that speaks volumes and can really um, play a big part in, in having them come back year after year. Yeah. So as I talked about earlier, we saw with camps as they reopened in 2021, a massive increase in, in wait lists for camps and people wanting to sign up for camp because they, they, they needed camp. Um, but another issue that we saw is staffing shortages. And what would you recommend if a camp were to come to you and say, how can we financially plan for, for staffing shortages, whatever that may look like? what advice would you give to them? Maybe what tips, strategies, what do they need to think about when planning for potentially a full summer camp, but staffing is not necessarily where it needs to be. And I think for a lot of camps, if there's a staffing shortage, that can translate to burnout for the staff and the retention can be difficult. What ways would you recommend that they plan accordingly so that the summer can run as smoothly and as effectively as possible? Um, yeah, I think, you know, uh, a lot of camps hire internationally, which is great. It gives uh, international students the chance to visit America and travel after camp. But if you're hiring internationally, I would not guarantee that those people are going to be able to come. Um, I, they, I think they were last summer and I believe, I hope that they will be able to come again, but you never know. And you can't, you definitely can't hold your hat. If you're 80% staffed internationally, I'd tell you to hire some more Americans as much as you can. But in terms of staff shortages, that might be inevitable for, for most camps. And this comes back to investing in the staff. And during the hiring process, making sure that those staff know know that 
a shortage might be potential and they might have to pitch in in other areas that they're not necessarily hired for. But in order for them to be on board for that, they have to have faith that you're taking care of them and that you're going to be investing in, in their time off, in their facilities they can use, in, in, in any way that you can help the morale of the staff you do have will be um, of great resource to you. And uh, someone once said to me, you'd rather have one great employee than three bad employees. Mm -hmm. And the same thing can be said to staff. Obviously, you want you, you need eyes on the kids, but ultimately you, you might not be able to hire as many staff as you would in a normal non-pandemic year. And to get the most out of the staff you do have, it, it just comes back into doing what you can to invest in their morale and bring out the best in them and have them enjoy working for camp. And when you, when you enjoy doing something, it's not work. And these are, these are young kids. They're 18, 19, 20, 21. They, they want to have fun too. And you have to focus on them just as much, if not more than the campers in order to bring the most out in them and to be able to deliver the product that you're justifying with your tuition price. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And when this episode comes out, we are not far at all from the start of the summer camp season. So as camp directors and staff are preparing for the start of camp, what would be one or two key tips that you would give them in order to prepare for a financially successful and stable summer? Two things I would, I would stress. Um, I think we've really hit, hit the nail on the head with this one is really paying attention to your staff morale. I know last year, a lot of camps um, suffered from keeping their staff happy. It was obviously new and challenging for, for camps everywhere, but the camps that were successful were able to keep their staff happy through various means. So I would recommend talking with your, your full-time team on, on coming up with strategies on how to ensure that the staff you hire are happy and will be happy and will be able to perform to the best of their abilities. The second thing um, that I think is very important is assessing your your cash situation. Um, how how is your finance uh, department run? How is how is your budget constructed? Is there a means to it? Is it tailored to your camp specifically? If I were to ask you, what would a ten uh, percent drop in tuition due to your bottom line? Would you be able to answer that? You know, if you were to wipe away all your facility rentals. Would you be able to answer how that affects your bottom line? And knowing all that is key to being a successful business owner and being a successful camp owner specifically. So it all comes down to personnel and financial management. And those are the two things that I would stress the stress the most um, when it comes to this year. And by doing so, that gives kids the place that they deserve. And Kids are the easy ones. They're, they're going to be happy pretty much no matter what. So to, to get them to camp, you need staff. You need staff to be happy and you need a business and you need to know what you can invest in your staff. And that comes all the way back to cash and budgeting and knowing 
who you are, what your company is, what your tuition says about your camp, and how you can justify charging what you charge. And in doing all of those, you can really go into the summer of 2022 with a lot of confidence and provide the best possible camp experience for your kids and, your, and their parents. Absolutely. And how often do you work with camps during the summer season? I mean, of course, that tends to be the busiest for camps as they are running a fully operational, full-time business program. But what does your role as a consultant look like for camps during the summer? And how can they utilize either your services or, or the services and help of another consultant? What does that look like in the summer? Yeah. So, you know, just like every business, every camp is different. So um, uh, for me, it, it really depends on what you need and what you're looking for. So I, I could come in and I can help you organize a system between you and your current financial staff. I could, I could implement some of my staff to help you out. And or I could just be a simple phone call and and there's there's a range, you know, it, it can be an hour consultation or I can be full fledged involved in helping you optimize the way that your budget is constructed, your, the way you run your cash flow forecast, the way that you communicate with your bookkeeper and the rest of your finance team. There are way and I just spoke about this at Tri-State, there are many different ways. There's not one way that Skyview can help a business, let alone a camp. So reach out to me, um, reach out to Skyview, reach out to any consultant. Don't be afraid to invest in, in help of others because like me, I'm sure there are plenty of other people that want to see the camp industry succeed as a whole. And when you work with Skyview, that's my main goal is to have camps succeed. And I don't do that by overcharging. I do that by figuring out how camps can optimize their cash and their future and the way they run their finances. So to answer your question, that was a long answer, but to answer your question, there, there's a variety of ways. It, it, it can be a phone call or it can be a lot of interaction and even some of my own staff. Do you do uh, camp visits in person? I do if, if requested. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's incredible to think about, you know, as, as camp staff, I think a lot of them have kind of a, a do it yourself attitude when it comes to, to different areas. But if something like financial strategies is not in their wheelhouse of expertise, I think it can save a ton of time and money in the long run if they reach out to somebody like you or another consultant to come in and give them. Right. Um, and, and I think that, you know, finance was an area that was never really of concern with camps, especially established ones. And once the ball is rolling in camp, the ball is kind of rolling, but now the, the ball is going through a, a much different course mm -hmm. and you want as much opinions as you, as you can get. And you, you can hear my advice and not adhere to it, but the more opinions and advice you can get on how to successfully navigate through this time, this time of uncertainty is invaluable. And 
while I might be just one opinion, it's definitely worth hearing and it, and it could give you ideas that you never considered. And I think that a lot of, a lot of this has gone overlooked because the industry has been so successful over the years that now it's really important for, um, for directors to pay attention to the financial aspects of camp and I'm here to help. Amazing. Well, Brandon, is there anything that we did not touch on that you would like to share with our audience, share with our listeners, anything that we haven't covered today? No, I I wish all the camp directors and camps out there the best of luck in 2022. Um, I know that you guys are creative and resilient and will do everything you can to give these kids the best possible experience, especially after all that they've endured. I can't imagine what it's like to be uh, a, a camper these days in these times. So to, uh, to give them that world of good is, is tremendous. And I, I, I love being a part of the camp community and being to help in all the ways that I can. So, um, my door is always open. I want camp, the camp industry to succeed. So Yes. Yeah. No, survive and thrive is what we all want for the camp industry, for sure. So where can, if people are interested in learning more or connecting with you, where can they find you? So uh, my website is uh, www.skyviewcfo.com. That's skyview, like chief financial officer, cfo.com. My email is brandon at skyviewcfo.com and Instagram at skyviewcfo. That's, that's where I am. That's where I live. And, um, I'm virtual, so uh, I could help camps all over the country, not just uh, the tri-state area. I have clients in California, I have clients in Wisconsin, and I have clients over here on the East Coast as well. So no matter where you are, skyviewcfo.com, I'm here to help. Amazing. And we'll be sure, again, to put all of those links in the show notes, in addition to uh, the book that we mentioned earlier that I think everybody should go get, especially if they are camp owners. And Brandon, again, we thank you so much for coming on to the Camp Wire podcast. I mean, I think this is a conversation that's, again, it's not it's not as fun necessarily as like talking about new camp activities, but it is just as, if not more important and especially valuable for, for camp directors and owners to consider, yeah. particularly yeah. as we prepare for the upcoming summer. Yeah. And, and in my book that you mentioned, I say that uh, I'm not necessarily a mood booster, but I'm a gut check. <laughs> and so, um, I'm here to help you focus on what needs to, to be focused on, whether you mm-hmm. like it or not. And, right. Um, that's what, what I'm here for. So thanks a lot for having me. Yes. Uh, yeah. We so appreciate your, your insights and your expertise and, and we'll provide all those links in the show notes. So Brandon, thank you again. And a big thank you to you, our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Campwire podcast. If you found this episode valuable, please share it with your fellow friends and camp professionals. And if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show so that you don't miss a single upcoming episode. And as always, be sure to follow the American Camp Association at ACA Camps across all social media channels. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.